When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Welcome in, everybody, episode 843 of the podcast. It's America, the Air Force Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, or Friday, February 23rd, 2024. People, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is enjoying or will enjoy we're kind of doing that Thursday night uh, show on YouTube that will run Friday morning on the Aaron Torres pod feed. So live on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to drop some questions. We will get to them at the end of the show. But when I tell you we got a busy Friday show, we have a very busy Friday show. The last couple shows, we've kind of done that quick college hoops reaction on Tuesday night and Wednesday. Today, we have topics for days, though. And we're going to discuss them all. We're going to open. Apparently, we're getting more college football playoff expansion. Like, the college football playoff hasn't even expanded yet. We haven't had our first 12-team playoff, and yet somehow we're already talking more expansion. It drives me crazy. I cannot believe it. It is so frustrating. We're going to discuss that. From there, we will get to some Saturday and Sunday college hoops. Not a mega slate. Couple top 25 matchups, uh, Baylor hosting Houston, Kentucky hosting Bama, uh, UConn hosting College Game Day, which you know is a big deal because ESPN doesn't even have the rights to the game. So we'll preview college hoops. And then from there, we will do what we do every Friday to wrap the show. Quick last call. We'll talk a little bit about the EA Sports College football game. Some interesting details came out Friday. And oh, by the way, maybe a little bit about that Johnny Manziel interview with Shannon Sharp. And we will wrap with America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. My best and worst takes of the week. So yeah, we hit those middle of the week recap college hoop shows. It's that time of year. But today it's all Torres all the time. And I am excited uh, to really kind of get back into some kind of meaty topics that we didn't get a chance to hit on earlier in the week. Before we get started, quick announcement. I made it late Wednesday for those who missed it. Uh, We have a new partner. For all of March Madness, all of the rest of college hoop season, it is BetUS Sportsbook. Really excited to be working with them. They are with us through the Final Four in April. And here's the cool part about working with BetUS. They are offering what I believe to be the best promo anywhere on the internet, any sportsbook, you name it. How about this? BetUS. 
They are offering up to a 125% deposit match on, to quote LeBron James, not one, not two, but three deposits. So your first three deposits, they will match up to 125%, meaning you put down 100, they give you 125. You lose all that, you put down another 100, they give you 125. You put down another 100, they'll give you another 125, 125%, up to $2,000 on each of your first three bets. So excited to be working with BetUS. If you have not signed up yet, there is a link in the show description. Make sure to go ahead and hit that. But so fired up to be working with BetUS for the rest of college hoop season. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. No more time to waste. And while it is college hoop season, there is a topic from the college football world that I want to lead with, a topic that many of you probably saw on Wednesday, and a topic that is absolutely going to drive your boy Torres crazy, okay? So as you know, this coming fall, the fall of 2024, college football is going to look completely different. We got 16 teams in the SEC. We got 18 teams in the Big Ten. We got, what, four, 16 teams in the Big 12, and I'm not even totally sure on the ACC. I think it's 18 if you include, yes, Stanford, Cal, and SMU. So the sport is going to look different. Oh, by the way, we are going to the 12-team college football playoff this coming year. Everybody was excited about it. Everybody was happy about it, except for all the suits that actually run the sport. And that is because on Wednesday afternoon, we got a report from Pete Thamel at ESPN that all the power brokers in college football, all the conference commissioners are meeting in Dallas this week. And you know what was a topic of conversation? Expanding the 12-team college football playoff to 14. Okay. So just to be clear, just so no one is confused, we just finished our last four team college football playoff about six weeks ago. Congrats to the Michigan Wolverines. You won that bad boy. We're going to 12 next year. We have yet to even play 12, uh, a 12 game playoff. And they're already talking about expanding it for the 2026 season. And let me say this people, I know there's a lot of real world issues going on. I know there's a lot of serious stuff. I know in the grand scheme, sports is not that big of a deal. But when I think about this, and when I think about what the powers that be are trying to do to our sport, it makes my skin crawl. Okay. And I'm not saying it's worse than this or it's worse than that or it's the worst thing that ever happened. But when you understand why this is happening and you understand what these people are doing to our sports, it is just despicable. There is no other way to put it. So the bottom line in the ESPN article, there is a reference, which I thought was interesting, where Bill Hancock, who's basically the, the, the meat shield, he's the guy that's got to take all the heat for all the conference commissioners. He met with Thamel, and he said the issues at hand with only 12 teams are access, distribution of money, and governance, okay? And so I'm not going to bore you with details, but essentially what this comes down to is those first two things. It is access, in other words, how many teams can each conference get in, and also the financials, the distribution of money, and let's call a spade a spade. What it really comes down to, the SEC knows that they have the most power along with the Big Ten, and those are the conferences that are going to push for more bids 
more expansion. And basically their argument is going to be, unless you want us to take our ball and go home and you guys can play a tournament without us and everyone will know it's not a national championship, you better give us the majority of those bids. And according to the Thamel article, we're talking as many as potentially like four automatic bids for the Big Ten and the SEC. So let's dive in and let me start by saying this. On the one hand, like I sort of kind of get the argument. I don't love it, but I sort of get it. Because what they're saying is essentially, and, and Greg Sankey's not going to say this publicly, but what he's trying to say is us, Texas or Oklahoma or LSU or Florida or Georgia or Alabama or whoever, or Auburn for producer Matt. We'll get producer Matt's alma mater in here, pretend that they're going to be in the playoff next year, okay? So bottom line is what the SEC is trying to say is like, without saying it, they're like, listen, our eight and four is better than the big Big 12's 11 and 2, okay? And it's not totally wrong. And so I sort of get it. And so I sort of understand. But fundamentally to me, expanding, first of all, I wasn't even in favor of expanding to 12. I've said for years in most seasons, this past one was really the first one where we actually had a real argument at four versus five and you felt like somebody got screwed. That hasn't happened in a decade. Most years, we're struggling to get four teams into that playoff that are truly deserving. And so I said, listen, I conceded. We're going to 12. There's nothing we can do. And maybe it's not the worst thing. Maybe we get a second or third or fourth SEC team in. And remember, in the 12-team structure, which we know we'll have for at least 2024 and 2025, the bottom line is we're going to have five automatic bids, and we're going to have seven at-large spots. And so I only bring it up to very simply say this. If we're stuck on 12 and the concern is access, let's be perfectly honest, whether it's the SEC or the Big Ten, they're going to get a minimum of three and most likely four bids every year, right? Like I suspect that of those seven at-large bids, I would guess five to six are going to come from the SEC and the Big Ten every single year. And so complaining about access, claiming you need more teams, what you're basically arguing is that the fifth best team in the SEC deserves to play for a spot at the national champion. They deserve a seat at the table. To which I say, that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. And this is the thing that frustrates me about all of this. There are times where I don't like stuff, but the argument at least makes sense. This is not one of those times because what you're arguing is that the fifth best team in the SEC, even the fourth best team in the Big Ten, even if you add Oregon and Washington this year, we're talking about a scenario where now we're arguing over Penn State, somebody like that, whoever out of the Big Ten. And so I could go on and on, but the bottom line remains is that what we're essentially arguing is that the SEC needs a fifth team, that the Big Ten needs a fifth team, and I just don't buy it. This past year, if we had a 14-team playoff, you know who would have gotten in? The LSU Tigers as the number 14 seed. You know who hated watching the LSU Tigers? LSU Tigers fans hated them. They were ready to run off Brian Kelly. They basically forced them to shake up the whole defensive staff. So don't sell me that LSU was somehow screwed. They were not. The people that I'll tell you they weren't screwed were LSU fans. They're furious. And so that's my fundamental issue. 
I can disagree if the argument makes sense, but the argument doesn't even make sense. And so what this is all about is money. And I have, I will say this, there is no one to blame other than the people that have been complicit with all of this expansion in the first place, whether it's the media that can't see the forest through the trees, the media that tried to convince you that we have to go beyond four because none of these kids play in, in these bowl games. Well, guess how that started? Because you told them all they were meaningless or fans that pushed for it as well. And like I said, I conceded 12 is okay. But we start going beyond 12. Here is where my concern comes in. At what point, like, because this is the counter argument. I saw uh, Jack Mack from Barstool Sports. I don't know him well, but he's a, a Connecticut kid, UConn guy. So, you know, we're kind of brothers in arms here. But he, he brought up this point is like, everybody is complicit in all of this because you started down the slippery slope. And so I bring it up because my concern is this. You get beyond 12. At what point does the regular season start to matter less? And the people, and this was the point that Jack Mack made, is that the people that will fight against this, that want 14, 16, 32, whatever, however many teams, oh, you just don't like football. Is that what it is? Just tell us like it is you don't like football. Well, wait a second now. I like football, but I want my September football to matter. I want my October football to matter and November as well. And so at the, 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 the larger this college football playoff gets, the more concerned that I am that the value in the regular season continues to disintegrate. Every team that you get, you let in, it makes the regular season less important. And I've said this for six, eight, 12 months, but just think about college football. Every sport in America right now, outside of the NFL, is trying to figure out ways to make their regular season more compelling. Major League Baseball is changing all its rules. I don't even know what the rule is. You start with a runner on second and whatever, uh, you know, trips to the mound, like widen the bases. I don't even know what's going on in baseball, okay? The NBA, oh, and we're going to talk about the NBA and Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, because I have been right on everything with Adam Silver, but neither here nor there. Um, the NBA is basically doing everything they can to get you to pay attention at all, and nobody is. Now, that's a player problem, but they have the in-season tournament. They're shaking up the All-Star game. They're doing this. They're doing that. Nobody cares. Even college basketball. I love college basketball. Why do we have all these early season tournaments? Why do we play all these weird, you know, one-off, whatever, Gonzaga playing Kentucky in the middle of the season? It's to get people interested. College football is the one sport that has a regular season that from day one, you have to be invested in. Now, the NFL is the same, but the NFL, you're invested because of fantasy, because of gambling, because of whatever. College football, you're invested because it matters. Every single week matters. The SEC, their motto is it just means more. Well, guess what? That's all of college football right now. And the further we expand the playoff, the more it dilutes the regular season. You cannot argue that. And the example that I'll use is a sport that I love that we have talked about a lot on this show, and that is college basketball. And I love college basketball, but I'm also going to be completely honest with you. The numbers of people that are interested in college basketball, at least in the regular season, and I hate to say it because if you listen to this show, you like college basketball and you want to talk about it in January and February. But the interest in college basketball is negligible compared to college football. 
I'm not trying to be a jerk. I can do one video on Deion Sanders on YouTube, one video on Kalen DeBoer, Nick Saban, LSU's defense. It's going to do the same as same number of views as 10 college basketball videos. And it sucks, but it's the truth. And the college basketball season, the longer, the older I get, the less significant it becomes. It's going to get more significant when they expand the playoff, when they expand the tournament. And the tournament matters more. And so if you love the tournament, that's great. But it, the, the, the regular season, nobody pays attention to for four months. We started the beginning of November as I'm about to knock over my mic here. We started in the beginning of November. It's now late February and we just are starting to pay attention. And the deeper we go with this college football playoff, it'll be a great tournament and no one will pay attention to the regular season. I know it's college football. I don't think it's that dire. I don't think we're going to go from 16 million people watching Michigan, Ohio State to 800,000. But at the same time, this is what makes college football, college football. And so it's so frustrating. It is so angering. If you love college football, this is not good. And don't sell me, oh, so many more teams will be in. But at the sake of what? At the sake of what? We don't need five SEC teams. We don't need six, seven SEC teams. We don't need six, seven Big Ten teams. We'll figure it out. But the idea that we're already trying to blow it up, and here's the worst part. Here is the worst part about it, is the fact that it doesn't really benefit any of us. The same seven teams that are always good are going to be good. Yeah, if you're an Ohio State fan, it's great. If you're a, a, a whatever, a, a Georgia fan, it's great. But you know who's going to benefit from it? It's going to be the suits that don't care about the sport. You know who's leading this charge, by the way, which cracks me up? Tony Petiti. Do you even know who Tony Petiti is? He is the Big Ten commissioner. You understand that Tony Petiti has been involved in college sports for less than a year? You understand that Tony Petiti does not have your best interests. He does not care about you. He doesn't even understand you, okay? The bottom line remains is that the people making these decisions, they're not, they don't have your best interests at heart. They don't care about your school. They care about lining their checkbooks and pocketbooks. It is terrible, and I freaking hate it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's switch gears. A lot of negativity to open the show. Don't don't want too much negativity. Uh, and we'll wrap with some fun stuff. Aaron right, Aaron wrong, all that good stuff. Um, but let's keep it going. Thursday afternoon, Thursday night show. Obviously, we will from here. Uh, uh, you know, do we'll end the show with Aaron right, Aaron wrong, all that. But let's keep the conversation going. Let's go to the what Friday or Saturday and Sunday college hoop slate. Just spent all this time crushing college hoops. It's like, oh, I guess now we, we got to talk college hoops. But listen, you guys love college hoops. I love college hoops. Let's preview the weekend. You know, it's, it's a weird weekend. It's not a crazy weekend. We have, as best I can tell, two top 25 matchups. One, Kentucky-Alabama. Two, Baylor and, uh, and Houston. So we'll start with this. We'll get to the second one in a minute. Let's start with Kentucky and Alabama. And I know if you're not a Kentucky fan, Torres, you talk too much Kentucky. But listen. This thing is the roller coaster of all roller coasters when it comes to what is going on with that program right now. But they host Alabama. Alabama, and by the way, we don't have point spreads. Uh, you know, BetUS will have them uh, by Friday night into Saturday. That's when point spreads come out. Okay. My guess is that Alabama will be a slight road favorite. And what's interesting about this game is, is really three things. One, Kentucky is obviously coming off that loss. To LSU at the buzzer, we talked about on Thursday morning show. Two, on top of that, Alabama is coming off an overtime win, uh, which they took care of business against Florida at home. And three, and I do think this is important, usually when you're coming off a bad loss, 
you want to go home, but Kentucky has lost three of its last four games at home, going back to Florida, going back to what, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, it was Florida, Tennessee, Gonzaga. Then they beat Ole Miss, and then they've been on the road the last two. And so with Kentucky, listen, what I would say, we spent a lot of time talking about them on Wednesday. We don't need to go through everything Wednesday night into Thursday. But the bottom line is really two things in this game. The first thing, they need to come out locked in. And this is, I think, the frustrating thing if you're a Kentucky fan. Kentucky fans, to their credit, a couple things. First off, I looked it up. To get in price for this game is like 100 bucks as of Thursday night. For a team that is struggling, that is driving their fan base crazy, that isn't even winning at home, credit to you, Kentucky fans, because you are still showing why you are an elite program with an elite fan base that cares about college basketball, frankly, unlike pretty much any fan base in the sport, okay? Your team's struggling. It's still $100 to get into Rupp Arena, and it's not like Rupp Arena, you know, there, there, there's only 8,000 seats. It's a 22,000-seat arena or whatever it is. So credit to Kentucky fans, but I think the big thing and the frustrating thing with Kentucky so far this year, it's been a situation where they have not been good at home, especially early. You have had great home crowds, and that team does not show up ready to play. The doors got blown off the building against Tennessee. What was it, like 22 to, I'm making it up, like 14 to 6, something like that. The Gonzaga game, Gonzaga got up big. They had control at the half. And so one, Kentucky has to play well, but two, and I don't think this will be an issue, there simply cannot be mental lapses because if you watch that LSU game on Wednesday night, they were in complete control. Kentucky fans have complained, justifiably so, all year long about what they call the middle eight. The last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. Kentucky has not been good. They were great during that stretch. They went on a 16-0 run at one point. And then they just let their foot off the gas. And so for Kentucky, it's about coming out strong, but it's about maintaining it for 40 minutes, something that really, outside of that Auburn game last Saturday, they have not done. Now, from the Alabama perspective, listen, I, I, I've said it 10 times in the last week, so I'm not going to oversell Bama, but like I, I truly believe this might just be Nate Oates' best coaching job at Alabama. We've talked about it again and again. But this is a guy that lost five of his top six scores from a year ago. Two first-round picks, Brandon Miller, Noah Clown. Lost his entire coaching staff. Remember, during the summer, he had no coaches. He was recruiting by himself in the portal trying to put a roster together. And so the team, I believe, is overachieving. They have a one-game lead in the SEC standings. Um, and I just think, I think they're exceeding expectations. What's interesting about them, they're the reverse Kentucky. They're not only getting better over the course of the season, but what was once weaknesses are becoming strengths. I thought it was interesting. So they beat Florida in overtime on Wednesday at Coleman Coliseum. And what I thought was interesting about that game was that in that game, Alabama, they're known as this three-point shooting team. You know Alabama shot 25% from three against Florida? They shot 25, 8 for 32 in that game. But what they did well, they had 56 paint points. And what was interesting was credit to both teams because Todd Golden, the Florida coach, talked about limiting threes. Florida did that. But Nate Oates said, hey, Florida is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. If we don't, to use a bad pun, bring our hard hats, we're screwed. And they did. 
56, well, 54 paint points, excuse me, in that game. I thought this was interesting. They had 21 offensive rebounds and overall 56 rebounds, and they out-rebounded Florida, one of the best, re or excuse me, they had, they finished with, let me make sure I have these stats right. They out-rebounded Florida by 10, 54 total rebounds, 21 offensive rebounds. And what's especially interesting about that stat, I keep going deeper and deeper, this is what you get behind the box score, is that Alabama, you know who was basically their leader in offensive rebounds? Five from Aaron Estrada, great name by the way. Five from Aaron Estrada, eight rebounds overall. He's like a 6-1 guard. Rylan Griffin, a wing, six rebounds, including four on the offensive glass. Eight rebounds for Grant Nelson, seven for Mark Sears. But what's interesting is if you look at that box score, 21 total offensive rebounds, which I think is a strength, but it could also be used as a weakness. Because if you're sending all five guys to the glass, you know what that allows for? It allows for runouts and it allows for fast breaks. And so when I look at this game, I'm going to make a pseudo bold prediction. I'm picking Kentucky to win. And there's a few reasons. One, I do think, I, I don't want to say that their season, like everything everyone has said about them is completely justifiable. If you're frustrated, if you're mad, if you're angry, if you're whatever. But I think we also do have to be realistic about the season, not make excuses, but also be fair about some of the losses. They lost at the buzzer to LSU. If they just, you know, if that ball is an inch to the left and it clanks out, they win the game and it doesn't matter. And that was in a spot, by the way, where it was like everybody knew that was a trap game. We talked about it on Tuesday. We talked about it on Wednesday. It was a trap game. You destroyed Auburn on the road. You have Alabama coming to town. And in between, you got to take care of LSU. So you get one more stop and you got the stop. The ball just bounced the right way to them. Ball goes in the basket, game over. You lose to Florida which by the way, Florida has been playing really well in a game where you kind of controlled it for like 39 minutes and you kind of melted down in the last minute. So you have that game. That was in overtime, by the way. Gonzaga, you had the ball with under 30 seconds to go, a chance to tie it without two starters. So I'm not making excuses, but what I am saying is Tennessee was inexcusable. I thought South Carolina was inexcusable. A&M, by the way, you lost in overtime. So this is to me about putting together 40 minutes. I don't think they're as far off as other people do. And I also do think you're going to get a good effort from Kentucky. Give me a Kentucky win. I do think it's going to be high scoring. I also think that the matchups kind of are advantageous. Alabama wants to play fast. Alabama wants to get up and down. Now, Alabama's probably a little bit better coached. No disrespect, John Calipari, but it's the truth. But at the same time, I also do think that that matchup is probably advantageous for Kentucky because they just have better players. So give me a Kentucky win, 82-80. to 80. I do think the Wildcats get the win. Let's quickly go through the rest of the weekend in college hoops. You know, one, I think it's very interesting. College game day is going to UConn. And UConn, listen, I'm one. I get it. They were very mad. Last week, there was a top five matchup in Hartford, Connecticut, Marquette, and UConn. And college game day decided to go to Auburn instead. So it was a little producer, Matt versus Torres, because Matt went to uh, Auburn. I went to, to UConn. But UConn fans were mad. And so I give ESPN credit. Everybody likes to crush ESPN, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I do give them credit because this would have been an easy spot for them to just say, we don't have the game. It's on Fox. We're not going to help a competitor. But they are going to stores. They are going to where, by the way, college basketball game day originated. 
Shout out to Torres. I was at the first ever college basketball game day at UConn. I believe it was 2005, maybe. I remember Carl Krauser from Pitt was there. Levant, there were a lot of Levance Fields back in those days. I wonder what Levance Fields is up to, up to. Anyway, this game, interesting matchup. Villanova's actually quietly playing well. They've won four or five. And of course, UConn is coming off that bludgeoning of Creighton, uh, by Creighton. What I will say, I was talking to a buddy of mine who was at the game at Creighton on Saturday or on Wednesday of this week, Tuesday of this week. And he basically said, he's like, dude, that was the worst UConn has played in two years. That was the best Creighton played in two years. And so I do think that you combine um, Villanova. I think they're, they're kind of getting, they're winning the games they have to, but they're getting by on, by on the skin of their teeth. You factor that in with UConn now with a chip on their shoulder, UConn angry. By the way, it's worth noting, UConn has not won a Big East regular season title in close to two decades. Now, they were gone out of the Big East for a while. But I think it was 05 or 06 was the last time they won the Big East regular season. And so they are inching closer. And really quickly, let me make sure I have the math right. I don't think they can clinch at least a share of it, uh, but they'd get pretty close with, with a win here. So they, they have a two-game lead over Marquette with four to go. So if they were to win and Marquette were to lose, that wouldn't matter just yet. But I just bring it up because they're very close to their first Big East title in close to 20 years. And I just don't see the scenario where they are losing this game. Also worth noting, by the way, Dan Hurley, did you see the tweet? You know, he, he had the situation with a Creighton fan, which depending on what view, some people say that he was threatening the Creighton fan. Some people was saying that, hey, I got security right there that's going to mess you up. I don't really care what I do care about. I wouldn't want to be the team that is playing UConn right after they got demolished by Creighton. UConn wins this game. I think it's like 80 to 60, 80 to 62. I say UConn wins and wins convincingly. Villanova, we're still trying to figure them out. They, they do need this win, by the way, for the NCAA tournament picture. I don't think they get it. Other top 10 matchup uh, this weekend, Houston at Baylor. Listen, you know, Houston is interesting. So they, they obviously just beat Iowa state on Monday night, but they are quietly, you know, it, like I think we're taking for granted the fact that they came from the AAC for years. We're trying to figure out, okay, how good are they and how bad is their conference? And they are now in the big 12 that we all deem to be the best conference in the, in, in the sport. And they are currently in control of this league. They have a one game lead over Iowa state at top of the standings. Um, they have a two-game lead over Kansas and Baylor, the two darlings of this conference. And what's quietly interesting about Houston, they lost their first two road games in conference play at Iowa State at TCU. They've since won three straight at BYU, which is really tough. Creighton, uh, uh, Baylor just lost there the other day. At Texas and at Cincinnati last weekend. And so you look at this game, we know what, ba what Houston's all about. Baylor's an interesting one. I think they're good. I don't know that they're great. They are a team that is obviously led by their freshman, Jacoby Walter. Really good guard play. Ray J. Dennis is on that squad as well. But you watch them against uh, uh, BYU the other night, and I'm not saying only BYU, but they don't defend the three-point shot well. They rebound well, but are I don't know that they're like physical enough for Houston. I would have to see a line before I make a pick, like an official betting pick on this. My hunch is, is that I do think Houston goes on the road and gets the win. My guess is Houston is like a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite, and I do think they win and cover. 
Not a lot of other marquee games. By the way, I'm recording here before the, the Thursday night slate. My favorite squad in America, the Purdue Boilermakers, are playing Rutgers, uh, Arizona, and Washington State in a top 25 matchup. By the way, at some point, we're going to have to talk about Washington State. They might be the best story in the sport. Their conference disappeared in front of them. They are currently in second place playing at Arizona on Thursday night. To the Arizona fans who listen, and I know there are a lot of you, I'm sorry that we are not getting to this game, but it is an 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern tip-off, and respectfully, I'm not staying up till 11.45, breaking down an Arizona-Washington State game, okay? But there's two, two top 20, or three top 25 teams in, in action on, on Thursday night. We just previewed probably the three biggest ones over the course of the weekend. Uh, Saturday, outside of the games that I just mentioned, there really isn't a ton. Quiet week in the SEC. Uh, Arkansas and Missouri, bad game. Florida hosting Vandy, so you think that they should cruise there. Interesting one from my perspective, Duke at Wake Forest. We talked about Duke. Duke is quietly crushing everybody not named North Carolina. Wake Forest is an interesting one. They beat NC State the other night. We talked about them. They kind of quietly need a win of magnitude to kind of get themselves off the bubble. They have a chance to do it at home on Saturday against Duke. And then I'll also say this. Um, I do think like the Mountain West is really fun and it's really good. They could trend towards six NCAA tournament bids. Uh, a couple interesting games in the Mountain West on Saturday night as, uh, as I'm trying to find the one that I kind of had circled here. I'm losing it, but I think Colorado, what is it? New Mexico plays somebody. I don't know. This is terrible radio. Forgive me. But New Mexico just beat Colorado on Wednesday, Colorado State on Wednesday night. New Mexico goes to Air Force. So that was definitely not the game I was thinking of. Uh, it was, let's see, what's the game I'm thinking of? It is, uh, I don't know. Anyway, Mountain West is awesome. A lot of big games, whatever. Uh, and then also on Sunday, there was a couple marquee games. Purdue does go to Michigan which is obviously a nationally televised game on CBS. A lot of Purdue on CBS. Also Creighton at St. John's. Obviously St. John's, that's the kind of game that if you win, you can either get back on the bubble or the right side of the bubble. St. John's desperately needs that win. By the way, did not like Rick Pitino bending over backwards and apologizing for calling his players slow and unathletic and weak, but he did it. Uh, I would think Creighton wins that game. So yeah, busy weekend in college hoops. Busy weekend in college. This is what I want to do. I want to go ahead and wrap the show with the last call. And of course, on top of that, we will wrap with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. So last call, just a couple stories that we didn't get to get to. Not going to spend a ton of time on each. The first one, we got some details on the EA Sports college football game. So I'm not a huge gamer. Um, and so because of this, because I'm not a huge gamer, um, because I'm not a huge gamer, sorry, I'm just making sure I didn't miss anything here. Because I am not a huge gamer, like the the college, you know, the the, the college um, football game doesn't like really mean that much to me. Although I will say, back in the day, Torres was a heck of an EA Sports college football uh, uh, expert. UConn, hate to brag, multiple national championships back in the mid 2000s. Think I led Army to some real high level success back in the mid 2000s. But what, why I bring it up is obviously the game went away with the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit. For those of you who forget, Ed O'Bannon was on the college basketball game. They had kind of like a historic team 
They used his name, image, likeness. He sued in court. He won in court. And that is really how NIL came to be. Well, I bring it up because on whatever today is, Thursday, we got some details on what is going to happen for players to have their name, image, likeness in the sport. Each player that opts in to have their name, image, and likeness used will get $600 just for their name, image, likeness and a free copy of the game. They won't get royalties, but if they stay in college sports, they will get $600 every single year as long as they're playing college football. So I think that, so, so let me just say this. I think it's kind of cool. On Thursday, we saw some players opt in. Denzel Burke uh, from Ohio State was one that I saw opt in. I saw a bunch of others, um, but I thought it was really cool. So each player, use my name, use my image, use my likeness, $600. Now, of course, as soon as that came out, I naturally saw some pushback. Oh my goodness, $600, that's so unfair. Well, a couple of things. One, some of the high-level players are actually going to get paid to actually endorse the, uh, the, 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 the video game. I saw Garrett Nussmeyer was one from LSU. Let me see who else is, is involved here. But several players are going to get NIL deals to actually endorse it. Jalen Milrow is one. Cade Klubnick, the quarterback at, at, uh, at uh, Clemson. Travis Hunter from Colorado. Will Johnson. Donovan Edwards from Michigan. So the good players are going to get money for it. But the other thing I would say is, first off, again, the best players will get compensated. But also, you don't have to opt in if you don't want your name, image, and likeness used. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but people are trying to freak out. But I, I just think it's cool. I think it's cool that you're going to be able to play with, you know, Quinn Ewers if you're a Texas fan or whatever, Cade Klubnick if you're a Clemson fan or Jalen Milrow if you're an Alabama fan. I think it'll be fun. The other thing I was thinking, by the way, I do wonder, um, I do wonder, you know how like when Madden comes out, players complain publicly about their ranking? It's like, I'm only a 97 what, what the heck? You know, what the heck's going on? I wonder if we're going to get that in college football. Like, is Shador Sanders going to be tweeting, how am I only a 91? Uh, is Jalen Milrow going to be fired up? So I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. EA Sports, College Football 24 coming out this summer. Each player who opts in gets $600. By the way, for the people who are complaining that $600 is not enough, I did some quick math because I was just curious. 131 FBS teams. 85 guys per team. So EA Sports is going to pay out six, 600 per person. That's about $6 million, about $6.6 .6 million before they ever make a dollar on this game. Think it's cool. Think it's fun. Think it's whatever. But I have no real fundamental issue uh, with the amount that's being paid. And again, you don't have to opt in if you don't want to. Really quickly, a couple other uh, news and notes. Did you see Johnny Manziel? Was on the Club Shay Shay podcast the other day. Listen, first of all, let me give Shannon Sharp credit. I don't know him. He obviously was a Fox Sports guy. I know people that worked with him. Everybody liked him. I think it's cool that in the span of like four months, he has got, become the go-to when I want to tell my story in a long-form setting. This is the guy that I go to. So credit Shannon Sharp. He's doing something special kind of in the digital space, something that I strive to do here over time. But he got Johnny Manziel a lot of interesting conversations. Manziel talked about his drug use, talked about letting LeBron down, talked about his relationship with Drake. I thought the most interesting thing was that Johnny Manziel said that his dad tried to go to Kevin Sumlin to negotiate a deal to keep him in college for another year. And like, I'm not mad. Like it's the NIL world. I think it was 3 million for a final two years, which now is like chump change. Johnny Manziel probably make three, four, five. Johnny Manziel would easily make three, four, five million 
a year by staying in college football. So I only bring it up because I thought that was the most interesting thing. His dad goes behind his back. Um, what would have happened if like Kevin Sumlin came up with the money? Is he like, Johnny, you're coming back? I, I don't know. I just, I just found that part really interesting. Um, did the dad need money? You know, because there was the whole story about how the family had money, but then we found out with the Johnny Manziel documentary that they didn't really have, like they were, you know, medium well off, but they weren't like, you know, generational wealth or anything. So thought that was the most interesting part. But let me also quickly credit Johnny Manziel. You know, I thought that Johnny Manziel documentary last summer was really good. Um, I, I think people, I, I saw people complaining about it. And it was kind of at the same time as that Florida Gators documentary came out. And when the Florida Gators documentary came out, that was clearly like Urban Meyer had final cut on that. And he was like, you're not going to say anything that bad about my program. And when you do, I'm going to explain why it wasn't that bad. I thought Johnny Manziel was like honest and forthright and sincere and like basically answered every question that you wanted to answer. He talked about the drug use. He talked about, you know, the Cleveland years, whatever. Thought it probably should have been more than an hour and a half or whatever it ended up being. But I enjoy, I haven't yet listened to the Johnny Manziel, Shannon Sharp uh, interview. But Johnny Manziel, to me, I actually give him credit because I think he's done a good job uh, of being very forthright with, with, with his past. Last little story. Listen, this is a little bit of a serious one. I thought it was cool, though. Uh, Matt Ariza, the, the punter, they called him the punt god back in the day at San Diego State, uh, was in the NFL, was accused of, you know, some crimes. I know we have kids and children that listen to the car, so, you know, earmuffs or, or whatever. But he was basically, let's be honest, kids, if you're listening, parents may want to turn this down for about 30 seconds. Um, he was accused of sexual assault and got booted out of the NFL, even though he was probably the best punter in the league. Well, legal system plays out. We find out that the accuser made up the whole story. He wasn't even at the party when she claims that it was whatever. And eventually about probably two, three weeks ago, the charges get dropped. Serious story, kind of a heavy story, but I'm happy to see that that guy get, gets another chance. He's signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's cool. Like Andy Reid is kind of becoming that guy that it's like, I have so much clout that I can give a guy a chance that deserves a guy a chance. He's also a great punter, by the way, which doesn't, you know, if you're not a Kansas City Chiefs fan, that doesn't help. But uh, I thought that one was very interesting as Matt Ariza is back in the NFL. All right, with that said, let's go ahead and wrap today's show like we do every Friday with America's Favorite Podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you know the concept of this segment. Yes, I stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin every week does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres pod for one very simple reason. It is because over the course of a week, a month, a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, no one loves giving out more hot sports takes than your boy Torres. Torres said this, Torres said that, I never shut up. And so every week we wrap with Aaron right, Aaron wrong. So I get a chance to kind of pat myself on the back for all of my best takes, but also I got to take a bunch of L's and we got a lot to get to in this week's uh, Aaron Right, Aaron Wrong. So let's get to it. My best and worst takes of the week where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So I've basically been calling out Adam Silver since the day he got the job. I don't know anything that Adam Silver has really done well. Now the owners are making more money, but all live sporting events are making more money for their owners or for whoever is in charge, okay? But the bottom line, I bring it up because last week, the NBA All-Star Game was a complete debacle. And what was interesting to me 
it's been a debacle for about six or seven years. Guys don't care. Guys don't play. You saw Anthony Edwards come out and say, we deserve to be paid for this. And it's like, listen, I've been saying it for years. Adam Silver's a clown. The all-star game is a train wreck. But I've also said for years, I think NBA superstars are the most unrelatable human beings on the planet. And I just don't think that they understand how stuff like that comes off. Now, everybody likes Anthony Edwards. He's young. But when you're making 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year, and you're saying we need to be paid for this, it's like at some point, are you ever going to do anything for the fans? Are you ever going to do anything to engage your consumers? And I know that the salaries aren't necessarily paid by the fans, but it's like at some point, can we just acknowledge this league is falling apart? Ratings are down. NBA Finals ratings are down. G League Ignite, which we're going to talk about, is falling apart. The All-Star ratings hit an all-time low in 2023. Then in 2024, people tuned in, and they were shocked at how bad the product is. Adam Silver is a disaster. The NBA is trending in the wrong direction. I've been telling you that for years. Where Aaron was wrong. So on Monday's Aaron Torres pod, we led the show with the hot topic of the day, which was, can anybody beat UConn? They're unbeatable. How can you possibly beat them? I did like a seven, eight-minute segment basically saying they're unbeatable. Well, then they went to Creighton on Wednesday night and got smacked. Listen, I still think UConn's the favorite. I still think there are four or five teams that match up with them reasonably well. And as I said on the show on Tuesday night, I do think that there are some weaknesses that got exposed against Creighton. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They are a team that ultimately uh, does not have very much depth, and I think it got exposed. I still think they're the favorite, still think they're the best team, but I think I went a little bit overboard by saying they were unbeatable on Monday night. Uh, yeah, they are, and they lost to Creighton. Where well, Aaron was right. So this really probably should have been its own segment, but I just mentioned it a minute ago, G League Ignite, uh, which is the NBA's minor league. Adam Silver has basically acknowledged it's not working and it may shut down. And if you remember, this thing started in 20, uh, uh, 2020, actually. And it was because RJ Hampton, my buddy, when I say shout out to Torrent Craig, that is RJ Hampton related. He went to Australia and Adam Silver was afraid that all the best high school American players were going to go to Australia and we had to start this league, whatever. But when it started, I said, I don't believe it's going to work. Because what I believe is a couple things. I believe, one, the players and families that are going to take advantage of that opportunity are generally the people that are going to have their hands out. At the end of the day, they're looking to cut corners. They're looking to get paid right away. Where I think most families, Paolo Bancaro's family, Cade Cunningham's family, Evan Mobley's family, understood the value of waiting a year, even in the pre-NIL era, uh, to, to go to college, use the stage of college basketball, take advantage of that rather than going and hiding in the G League. I also said, you play against pros, you're going to get exposed. On top of that, you play 15 or 20 games a year, you better like to practice because that's all you're going to do. And so I could go on and on, but I said when this thing started, I said, I don't think it's going to work. It doesn't make sense. And obviously, look, the part that I could not have have uh, you know factored in was that NIL was eventually going to become a thing. But this thing is a disaster. The team is terrible this year. It sounds like it might shut down after this season. And it's for all the reasons I told you a long time ago. Where Aaron was wrong. I also got to say this. I was never really anti-NIL. I was anti-NIL without guardrails because I essentially said, like, it's going to turn into what it has now. I bring it up because even NIL without guardrails 
it's keeping a lot of really good players in both college football and college basketball. I saw Dan Wetzel put out an article where he basically said that this year there were the fewest number of underclassmen to declare for the draft in like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, something like that. And it is a direct correlation of if you still have eligibility and you're not going to be a first or second round pick in the NFL, stay in college because the money's going to be better. And it might even be better than being a second round pick or a late first round pick. And so you see scenarios where most of Ohio State's roster is coming back because of NIL. A guy like Will Howard, who's at Ohio State, stayed in college because of NIL. Some of the other quarterbacks, Dylan Gabriel, you go on and on down the list, it's because of NIL. So I still think we need guardrails. Still don't think it's the best thing in the world to have no rules at all. But I can't lie, it has helped the product. Where Aaron was right. So on Wednesday night, we talked about Indiana losing at home to Nebraska and Mike Effin Woodson potentially being on the hot seat. I bring it up because after everything I've been through with Indiana fans, I ended up being 100% right on Mike Woodson. Listen, I said when he got hired, I said, you don't bring a 64-year-old into college basketball in this era. And I said, I don't think he's the guy. Well, fast forward, he has not been the guy. Now, I will admit some of the reasoning. I didn't think he'd want to recruit. I didn't think he'd want to do the portal. He's actually been pretty good there. But it doesn't change the fact that he's not coaching well, that the team is frustrating, that their fans are now starting to publicly call him out. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't think it's time to give up on the Mike Woodson era just yet, but I do wonder if if he is willing to renegotiate his buy. Like, I think there's a chance that he's not back next year. A lot of what I said happened. A lot of what I said would happen has happened. Mike Woodson has not been the answer. He has not been the guy to re-elevate Indiana, and it feels like he could be possibly out this year. A couple more really quick where Aaron was wrong. Indiana's not good. You know who is Alabama? I, I just didn't see this coming with Bama, and it speaks to what we've talked about for days and days on this show. Nate Oates is doing an incredible job. Credit to him. I thought they were the fifth, sixth best team on paper in the SEC coming into the season, and even in the preseason. Remember, they got beat up by Clemson at home. They got beat up by Arizona. They got beat up by Purdue, although that was the the Purdue game was the one where I started all my beef with Purdue. Anyway, they weren't great in the reg in the out of conference, but it clearly got them ready, and they are in position to win another SEC. Credit to Nate Oates. This team is better than I thought. I did not see this coming, but right now they are in the top 15. They are leading the SEC, and they are coming off another impressive overtime win. Finally, where Aaron was right. So I saw this. This was very interesting. So speaking of Alabama, Kalen DeBoer, the new Alabama coach, he did radio on Wednesday with my buddy Ryan Fowler. And Ryan asked him a bunch of questions, and one of the things he said was about the offense. And if you have listened to this show, college football, college basketball, what I said about Kalen DeBoer, I said I thought that his strength as a coach was that he figured out what your weaknesses were, and he built a game plan around it. So go back to the Texas college football playoff game. Everybody's talking about how great the front seven is for Texas. Washington's not going to be able to run the ball. They didn't even really try to run the ball. A lot of short passes to Dylan Johnson. Oh, by the way, that's how they beat Oregon twice as well. So where was I right? Well, Ryan asked him about the offense, and here is what Kalen DeBoer had to say. I think year in and year out, it might look the same, especially if the personnel is the same, but it can be adjusted very easily to whoever our quarterback is, whatever our strengths are, receivers, tight ends, running backs. Bottom line, Kalen DeBoer just basically told you what I told you about his offense about six weeks ago when the college football playoff started. It's why I picked them to beat Texas. It's why I picked them to compete with Michigan, which they largely did for about three quarters. I like Kalen DeBoer. I think he's going to be good at Alabama. 
One more college football topic where Aaron was wrong. Long episode today, by the way. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian got a monster extension this, this week. He is college football's newest $10 million man. Well, I think it's a lot of money for one good season. I got to give Sark credit, man. I didn't think he was a great hire. I didn't think he was a great fit. And I didn't understand why there was so much hype about Texas coming into this past season. Well, they win the Big 12. Quinn Ewers is a star. That team is as talented as it has been probably in 15 years since Mac Brown was there. I just didn't see this coming. I thought it was going to be another Texas weird whatever. No, 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 no. Sark was awesome. We'll see how they hold up in the big in the SEC. By the way, they're built to win in the SEC. Didn't see it coming. Credit to Sark for his success. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. I do think it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Thank you again to our sponsor, uh, BetUS. Awesome. Love working with them. They're amazing. Remember, a 125% deposit bonus for your first three deposits. Time for me to go. Appreciate your support. And guess what? I'll be back on Monday and we will have plenty to talk about. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You have had unblock me. I'll be back on Monday. New episode. Aaron Torres. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.